join me in prayer as we lift up the tanners and then as we also uh, prepare to go to the word of God this morning. Father, I thank you so much that we can come to you. Thank you that you are with us today and always. Father, we lift up the Tanners, Paul, Virginia, their family. We lift up this new adventure that they are on. And Lord, we pray that you would be working as, as they minister the truth of the gospel to the people in Tanzania. Um, as I contacted Paul just recently here, he was sharing that, that there is so much work to be done. And I, I really sensed his honesty in saying that there is the need is so great. So, Father, my prayer would be that they would remain strong spiritually when they sense and feel as though they are alone. Remind them of your great love, that you are with them. Surround them. You have given them a team of people. I pray that there might be unity on this team. And as they uh, endeavor to bring the good news of Jesus to the surrounding villages, I pray that you would bless their efforts. And Lord, as they requested, may above all you be glorified uh, in and through their work, in the church there, build the church. We love you. Father, be with our time now. As we look at your word, I pray that you would teach us as a body. I pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to what you have for us. Lord, the same request. Build our body. Build us here. May we fall in love with the Savior. May your spirit do his work in our hearts. Lord, we love you. May we come today with ready hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we are on week five of twists and turns. Twists and turns. Have you experienced some twists and turns the last five weeks? Perhaps you have. Um, My wife and I were talking. My wife um, oftentimes reads through my notes that I put together for the message, and I really appreciate, I I want to... Um, give her an opportunity to speak into it. And we were talking about it this morning. And I, I had an announce, or a, not announcement, I had a, an illustration that I, I, I had chosen. And I asked her, I said, is that the right illustration? And she said, well, I don't know if that's the right illustration. And then as, as we were sharing this morning, um, she said, well, here's the illustration that I think of right away. And I said, can I use that? And she said, that's why I told you. <laughs> and it's, it's just a small, simple illustration, but I, I was reminded of when we were newlyweds, just, just newly married, there was some conflict. Gasp. There was some conflict that we came into in our marriage. And, and there, was, there was this kind of butting of heads. Yes, even us, this happened. And, and we had to work through something. And I, I, I it's, it's been years, so I don't even know what it was. I don't know what we were trying to work through. All right? And she doesn't remember either because now at this point it was insignificant. It didn't matter. But we were trying to work through something. 
And I just remember asking her, Kelsey, are you okay? Because knowing that there had been this conflict. And her words were, oh yeah, I'm fine. And I said to her, no, you're not. Let's just make the conflict all, let's just get back into conflict. No, you're not okay. And she, she was, I'm okay. And I said, no, you're not. I can tell you're not okay. And she said, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. And my words to her, and we still, we still recall this from time to time. I said to her, Kelsey, I don't want to be married to an old, bitter woman someday. Because I've known some older ladies who can be bitter. And I said, I don't want that from you. Let's talk about it. See, in our families, how we were raised, my family was kind of raised where you're in conflict. Let's work through it. Let's get through this. Let's get on the other side. And Kelsey was kind of raised where you just kind of suppress it. Is it a problem? No, it's not a problem. Just keep moving on. Just keep going. There's no problem. And so when these two families are merged together and these two ways of working through conflict are having to come together, there was some tension. And I just said, I don't want you to grow in bitterness. Let's talk about this. You're going to have to be honest with me if we're going to get anywhere. Otherwise, you're going to grow in bitterness. And you know what's going to happen? I'm going to grow in bitterness. And I don't want that. Now, I want to ask you this morning as we come to this this text that we're In looking at this account of Joseph, I want to ask you this question. I really want you to think about this honestly and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. Are you bitter? Are you bitter? Have you been wronged by someone and there is this, quite honestly, when I start to think about it, it just kind of irks me. Are you bitter? Is there this bitterness, this resentment? Something has happened and it bothers me. Are you bitter? We continue today the study from the life of Joseph. Joseph is a man who understood twists and turns of life, the difficulties that take place in life. Unexpected Um, difficulties that, that came about in his life, he understood them well. I want to just draw a couple of things to your attention. I'm not going to go through this passage here. I want you just to, to um, think about what happened here. We are told in Genesis, the last part of Genesis chapter 41, um, we are told that Pharaoh gave Joseph a signet ring. A signet ring. It was, it was telling Joseph, this is my ring. You may use this to, to conduct business. And if you give the approval using this ring, it is as good as if I were to give it myself. A signet ring. That was the purpose of the signet ring. He was able to authorize word from Pharaoh without having to actually consult with Pharaoh necessarily. If Joseph said, this is what's going to happen, this is what happened. 
Pharaoh also gave him a gold chain to wear. A gold chain. And we've seen images in, from Egypt's history about these beautiful gold chains that were really quite elaborate and big. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but we are told that, that Joseph had this gold chain that went around his neck. And he wore this. This is what he had. And then we are also told that Joseph received linen robes. Joseph got his robe back. After all these years, Joseph gets his robe back. And he got some of the most fine robes that you could possibly wear. Um, Remember, this is a day and age where you probably have one set of clothing If you had more than that, you were wealthy. You were considered wealthy. So by that standard, you and I are all extremely well off. We're also told that Joseph's name was changed. The name that he had was Zephanath-Paniah. This is the name that Pharaoh gave to Joseph. It was an Egyptian name. Now, I looked at close to 10 scholars this last week to see what they said about this name. And there is no agreement on what this name means. The only agreement is that all the scholars say, we don't know what it means. That's the agreement. Now, there's various ideas on, some have said it means savior of the world. Some say this name was given to him because it means preserver of life. Some said it means God speaks and he lives. We don't know what it means. But we do know that he received an Egyptian name. Not only did Joseph receive an Egyptian name, he also was given an Egyptian wife. A seneth was the lady that he was given to be married to. Now... She's Egyptian. We are told that her father was a priest. Now, before we take our American 21st century mindset and think, oh, a priest? Remember, this is a priest under the Egyptians. Her father was the lead son worshiper. That's not son as in son Jesus Christ. That is a son as in what's shining out there today. A, the lead worshiper of the son. And it is his daughter, Aseneth, who is given to Joseph in marriage. So again, you've got two cultures colliding. You've got Joseph, who is a Hebrew, a worshiper of Yahweh, the one true God. And he is given in marriage to Aseneth. And she brings her, all of, all of her cultural beliefs that she had. They bring this together. And they are given in marriage to one another. And I believe that he had no choice in this. This is a woman that you're going to marry. There you go. You have to marry her. This is what, you're, this is what you get. Um, I don't know, but I read this last week, that there is a first century document. So almost 2,000 years old. It's a novel called Joseph and Aseneth. Now, a novel 
So I'm not saying this is true. But in this novel, it talks about a Seneth converting to the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. I don't know if this happened. But it's interesting that we have this work from 2,000 years ago in this novel saying this is what happened. All right? Now, Joseph has an Egyptian name. He has an Egyptian wife. But I want you to notice this. That in chapter 41, we are told that Joseph and Aseneth had two sons. And their names, Manasseh and Ephraim, are the names that they are given. That Joseph called them. Now, don't just set this aside and move on. I want you to think about this. And I want you to notice this. These names are Hebrew. These names are not Egyptian. These names are quite clearly Hebrew. So Joseph, in his marriage to an Egyptian woman, is remembering his roots. He is remembering his belief in Yahweh, the one true God. And he gives them these Hebrew names, Manasseh. Manasseh means one who causes to forget. And we are told that Joseph said that my very firstborn's name will be Manasseh. Why? Because God has allowed me to forget the pain of all that I have endured these last at least 13 plus years. God has allowed me to forget the pain and the pain of of having to leave my family aside and being pushed away from my father. One who causes to forget. And Ephraim was given a name which means fruitful. Fruitful. So Joseph, again, I really believe that Joseph, in the midst of this Egyptian culture, which was polytheistic, belief in many gods, Joseph is remaining faithful and true to the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. Well, let's pick up here, and I'm going to have to move pretty quick this morning. I want to do my very best to move quick here, but take your Bibles and turn to chapter 42. Chapter 42. God's plan unfolds here. Genesis chapter 42, look at verses 1 through 5 with me this morning here. It says, When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? Don't you love that? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons, that's Jacob's sons, were among those who went to buy grain. For the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Stop there. Jacob, the father. Famine is severe. It's in the land of Canaan where these brothers are living. And Jacob, don't you love it? He says, would you guys stop just looking at each other? You're depressed. Get on the move. Go, boy. Get going. I want you to go. I have heard by this time word has come to them that there is enough food in Egypt. I want you to go. Go to Egypt. Buy food. 
stop staring at each other. But you notice that Jacob says to Benjamin, and this is at least 20 years later, 13 years have passed from the time that Joseph was 17 years old. He takes his position under Pharaoh at age 30. Seven years of bountiful, better than than you have ever seen. Wonderful crops. So Joseph is at least 37 years old now. Married. Two boys. 20 years have passed. Jacob. I'm keeping Benjamin back. He's not going to go. He has not forgot. He has not forgot this at all. I, I wonder if he even was questioning the truthfulness of his own sons. Maybe thinking, I don't know, but maybe thinking, I don't trust my own boys. I I really wonder if they were the cause of the death. I I don't know. I'm reading in between the lines here. But we do know this. We do know that Jacob says, Benjamin is not going. I'm not about to lose Benjamin. I've already lost Joseph. I'm not going to lose Benjamin. And as these brothers are traveling down the road, walking by foot, they had to be thinking We sold our brother to a bunch of Ishmaelites who were heading to Egypt. And now we ourselves are going to Egypt. The same place that that Joseph was sold. Were they thinking about that? They had to be. They had to be thinking about that. 20 years later, I think they had to be thinking, our own brother, our own flesh and blood who we sold... And now we are going to Egypt, but I really don't believe that they believed for a moment that they were about to see Joseph, especially in second in command, because he is a Hebrew among Egyptians. They probably figured that he is still in the dungeon, if not dead. But I'm sure they had to be thinking. Let's read on. Verses 6 and 7. Now Joseph was the governor of the land the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Stop there really quick. Joseph... Um, he recognizes his brothers, but the brothers do not recognize him. Remember that Joseph is looking like an Egyptian. He has been dressed to look like an Egyptian. And his brothers see Joseph, and they don't know who he is. And Joseph just, who are you guys? What's going on here? Let's read on. Verse 8, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. Stop there. I want to hear from you really quick. Why do you think, what are the reasons why Joseph may have spoken harshly with the brothers? Why do you think that that if he recognizes these brothers... And knows that these are my brothers. Why does he accuse them of being spies? What do you think? 
Test their honesty. Yeah, this is, this is a test. I want to know. Are you honest? Any other reasons why this might be? What's that, Marie? I, yes, I think you're exactly right. It, it could be that this is revenge. It could be, right? This is, my brother socked it to me. They're going to get it back. This is not going to come easy. These are my older 10 brothers. And if they think that they're going to come here and get off scot-free, forget it. What else? Other ideas? Good, Sharon. Test their character. I want to know, how are you getting along? Good. Dennis, I saw your hand go up. Do you remember me? This is a test to see if you remember me. Good. Good. I, I don't fully know. I think as we, as we go on here, we kind of see more of what is going on here. But um, I think all of this stuff would have been going through Joseph's mind as these brothers are come, as they come to him. They don't recognize Joseph. He recognizes them. Um, let's, let's read on. Verses 10 through 17. After Joseph had said, you are spies, they responded and answered, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. Part of me wonders just a little bit. He knew that these guys were evil. I wonder if he's even testing them like, are you spies? I mean, because these guys, they were, they premeditated massacre of other people. We, we read before this account, these were bad guys. I, I, I mean, my thought is he's just playing this game, but maybe he's saying, no, I know my brothers, you're spies. I, I don't know. This could have been a possibility. No, he said, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. Verse 13, but they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no more. Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you are spies. And this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. Joseph takes his brothers, puts them in prison, a place that he knows very, very well, puts them in prison for three days and waits to see. Um, he says, you want out? Bring me your brother. Bring me Benjamin. I wonder if he was wondering, is he even alive? It's been 20 years. You were willing to kill me. Did you kill your brother Benjamin as well? Um, notice verse 18. On the third day, after three days of these guys being in the prison, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. Those, those words, that, that had 
These guys had to think about this. They don't know who Joseph is. This is an Egyptian in their minds. This is, this is an Egyptian. And Joseph says, do this and you will live. Why? Because I fear God, Elohim. I fear God. For the Hebrews to hear this, they must have been, I think they must, did I hear him right? This Egyptian man says that he fears Elohim? He fears God? He fears God himself? Verse 19. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. 20 years later, they're still thinking about the guilt that they had. We saw how distressed he was, how distressed Joseph was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben spoke up and replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. Joseph has an interpreter. Why? Because I think it fooled the brothers. He could hear every word. He could understand every word. He didn't need an interpreter. The brothers didn't realize that. He's using an interpreter. And yet Joseph hears everything that they're saying. Wouldn't that be interesting for Joseph 20 years later to hear kind of how this all played out because they know that they're guilty. And they're recalling when they threw Joseph in the cistern and Joseph is calling out to them, guys, let me out. They said we wouldn't do it. And for Joseph to hear the words from Reuben, I was against it all along. You wouldn't listen to me. Joseph is hearing this from his brothers. Verses 24 to 28, Joseph turned away from them and began to weep. But then turned back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here, is, here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank, and they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is this that God has done to us? Life roller coaster for these boys now. Wow. Do you sense a change of heart in these brothers over the course of 20 years? I love how Joseph, I realize my time is up. I, I love how Joseph 
deals with his brothers. Because he doesn't take their wrongdoing and just sweep it under the rug. He really wants to test these brothers and find out. Brothers, I want to know, who are you? Where are you at? What do you care about? What, what are, would you care about me if I hold your, your brother Simeon? In prison. And if I load your sack with grain so that you don't have to die. And I give you your silver back to you. Are you going to abandon your own brother like you did to me? I think there is that part of Joseph that is saying, I want to test this. I want to find out what are you going to do? Because I know the character of who you were 20 years ago. And I want to know if you're the same man. I want to know if you're the same lot of brothers. Are you going to turn your back? On Simeon, as you did to me, I think he wanted to know. I think he wanted to find out. And yet you also see in this passage, in this account, you see that Joseph's heart broke. I've often wondered if this famine took place in year three, would things have turned out differently? Maybe Joseph needed the 20 years for him to work through the evil of his brothers. These guys had serious problems. Joseph, we begin to see his heart of compassion for his own brothers who have treated him unjustly. And yet Joseph is willing to move in compassion and love and grace and even forgiveness. And forgiveness is what made this all possible. Joseph, he did not allow bitterness to just build But over those 20 years, somehow, somehow Joseph extended grace and forgiveness to his own brothers. So I have to ask you this morning, is your own heart working through bitterness? Is your own heart harboring wrongdoings to you? May I encourage you that Joseph is an excellent example of a person who has had injustice, injustice done to him and yet extends with love, grace, compassion, and mercy. I think he provides an excellent example. If we, if we grow in bitterness... We lose. We lose. If God is speaking to you this morning about bitterness in your own heart, deal with it. Confess it to him. And sometimes we don't know exactly how to do that, but to begin by acknowledging God, I'm dealing with bitterness and I'm open to your help. I don't want this to be true of me. God will work 
He wants to work in our heart. Lord, I thank you for the life of Joseph. I thank you for this man who really, um, I believe, is a man of character. Thank you for what we can learn from his life. Father, I pray that you are speaking to us right now. Um, As people, we understand what it's like to be falsely accused, um, wronged, um, to have things that are done to us that are just perhaps grossly wrong. Father, I pray that we would not become bitter as people. Uh, thank you for this example of Joseph who, who didn't just sweep all the wrongdoing under the rug. I think that he provides an example of this testing, but also this willingness to forgive. I love his example. I pray that we might learn from him today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.